Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Uh, Father, we just thank you for your word, especially a timely word this morning as it relates to rest and Sabbath and um, just um, seeking enlightenment and direction and wisdom from your word. So, Father, we pray now as we look into your word that you would bless us, that you would bring revelation, uh, that you would bring um, just life change to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and read. Uh, Hebrews 4, it's entitled, A Sabbath Rest for the People of God. Therefore, since the promise of entering this rest still stands, let us be careful that none of, it, that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who, who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I, de I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them, did not go in because of their, their disobedience, and just remember, they're not going in. We're talking about uh, there's some references to the promised land here. Um, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And we'll come back to this concept of today. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. Uh, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, um, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Um, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom, to whom we must give account. Um, the last section there, Jesus, the great high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, <coughs> Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. 
for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we did, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. All right. So um, some great words there, right? And it's interesting. Um, so I want to break this down for us a little bit. Um, so there's a few different sections here. Is the first part talking about rest. And then around verse 12, it starts talking about what the word of God does for us. And then finally talking about the high priest itself. So let's start on that section of rest. And um, Hebrews 4, you kind of have to take in context with Hebrews 3, because it's a, it's kind of a continuation or a, a re-reminder about this entering, entering into God's rest. So in the first few verses, uh, there's a warning that says, do not miss God's rest. Uh, we are reminded that unbelief will make us fall short of God's rest. Now, there's a lot of things that God's rest gives us, right? And I want to list those out for us. So God's rest means we have peace with God. It would be number one. And God's rest means that we have freedom to serve God, right? It's from that place of rest and being recharged that we're able to serve. So rest actually gives us that ability to serve. Um, rest means deliverance from the first covenant, right? And not I think I would rephrase that to the burden of the Mosaic law. So rest frees us because Jesus was that new covenant, right? So we are not bound by that Mosaic um, law. Um, rest means the freedom of worship, right? That we have that freedom. And rest means that the rest that God himself enjoys. So this isn't something different. God himself rested. Okay. Um, something interesting in verse 2, though, it says, this is the kind of arrest which comes from believing the gospel by faith. Now, um, let me just find where I am here. Okay, so there's a lot of talk mentioned in these passages about those who did not enter into God's rest. And so unbelief keeps many away from God's rest. So um, faith guides us into, or God's people, into that rest that he has for us. Now, um, Psalm, I'm going to go to Psalm 95, 11. It says, um, no, I'm going to skip that for now. So this passage goes back to the original kind of rest that God had even in Genesis, right? Genesis 2, 2, and God rested. And so if God did it, clearly we should do it too, right? Now, there's, I think there's different kinds of rest that's mentioned here. There's the Sabbath that we're going to get to in a little bit. And then this general kind of rest is entering into, which is in that relationship with God. Um, verses 6 through 9, that section um, Therefore, it remains that some must enter into it. And so we can kind of um, 
pull out of that that God did not create this place of rest in vain if Israel, to whom God first preached, right, um, failed to enter because of disobedience, then someone else would enter into that rest. So it's again that concept of disobedience. A little bit further on, it says, today, if you hear his voice, and we'll talk a little more about that. Um, Psalm 95, 7, 8, if we go back to that, it proves that there is a rest remaining for God's people to enter beyond the fulfillment under Joshua. So there's a lot of talk about what Joshua failed to do. And it's clear from these passages that there was more rest. There was more, there was a deeper rest that God's people are invited into. Uh, verse 10, I'm going to, Kind of skip over this pretty fast because I'm going to get to some bigger ideas here. Um, so entering into this race means no longer needing to work. So is no there's no longer a need for works as a basis of our righteousness. So that's that's kind of important. Let's hold on to that in the back of our minds, and then um, God sees from His work or cease from his works as God did from his. So it's, we're reminded again that God rested from his works, right, Genesis 2, 2, because the work was finished. Um, we cease from self-justifying works. This is important. So a lot of the things we do is we're trying to justify existence. We're trying to justify the things we have to do. But we cease from self-justifying works because Jesus finished the work on the cross. Right, don't miss that. That Jesus did everything we need to do. We do not need to toil in vain constantly and without ceasing. We need to stop. Okay, so let's look at a little bit of application here. So we are restless people, right? The opposite of rest is restless. And we could define that as looking for meaning. What's the meaning of life? I'm restless. I'm going to keep seeking after that. And that restlessness is answered by faith, right? By believing in Jesus. And we'll receive that rest through faith. So we need to not expend our energy on meaningless works and meaningless pursuits. It's simply by faith that we enter into that restlessness. So that's my first point. The second one is... Um, us that have received the gospel, we have a responsibility to share that, right? And when we proclaim the gospel to others, when we share the good news of who Jesus is, we help others enter into that rest. So moving from a state of restlessness into rest, okay? So we have a responsibility to do that. Um, number three, and I think this is something we miss when we talk about um, rest versus Sabbath. Rest is a daily pursuit of seeking to hear God's voice, right? It's a spiritual rest that is found in communion with God. Um, in that verse, it says, um, I think it was verse 7, it said, Today, if you hear his voice. And it's this concept of, am I hearing God's voice today? Am I starting out by having that rest that God gives me? You all tracking with me so far? Everyone okay? 
All right. I'm going to jump to my fourth point here. Um, disobedience is a key factor to not entering into God's rest. When we choose pursuits outside of God's path for us, um, when we value things that are not good above our relationship with God, when we make poor decisions, we kind of push ourselves into unrest. Um, in 19, long time ago, 80 something, when I was in the army, I was deployed or we were deployed to manage unrest, so like riots, uprisings. And you can imagine um, that kind of unrest is very disturbing, stressful. And so there's a lack of peace. So unrest, we can define unrest as a lack of peace. And often disobedience push us, pushes us into that place where there's no peace, where there's just turmoil. And what we need is God's shalom or God's peace. And we want to get out of that loud, noisy place because it isn't, it's just not fun to be in that place. So disobedience is one of the key factors that pushes us into that state of unrest. Okay, point five, um, Sabbath. So this is the biblical Sabbath, which for me is today. Uh, is a one day that I stop my work and I seek God. I stop doing the things that I usually do. And so there must be a time when we stop our work and enter into God's rest um, for two reasons. God wants to connect with us, to commune with us, and recharge us, right? We want to be in that relationship. And the second part of that is God rested from his works on the Sabbath because his work was finished. Uh, we need to stop our self-justifying work, recognizing that Jesus finished the work on the cross. And in this passage, that was a big thing that jumped out. Right? We do not need to work, 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 work to get closer to God, because that's already been handled. That's been done. Okay, so I'm going to jump over to around verse 11. It says, therefore, let, let us therefore make every effort to enter that race, so no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. So I think the word that we need to... Um, or the phrase we need to focus on there is let us make every effort, right? So that talks about diligence. Like we actually have to be intentional about this. Uh, we must enter that rest. Um, that rest is entered by faith, and it takes diligent faith. And showing us that this is not something that's passive, it's active. We actually have to act on this. And that diligence... Uh, will allow us to trust, to rely on, and to cling to Jesus and his work for us. So we have to set aside that time and be diligent and intentional about doing that. Okay. Now I want to I wanna make a little change here. So as we get into verse 12, this part, you know, there are many, many sermons and commentaries on verses 12 through 14-ish, 13 and says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, 
joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So as we read that, we can take a few responses, right? We can say, we can say, um, that's scary. Or we can go, wow, the word of God is powerful. It can do a lot for me. Now, where it says it, um, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and marrow. Um, it's going to reveal things, right? If we are bold enough to enter in and go, I'm going to let your word speak to me, it's going to cut through the garbage, right? <laughs> You're gonna, you have to go in boldly and go, okay, God, talk to me and be okay by letting the junk come to the surface. Um, I don't know if you guys can see in the chat. I shared a document. I'm going to drop it onto the screen here. I'm going to share the screen. If I can figure out how to do this real quick. Uh, where did it go? I want to, okay, I think I got it. Let me go back to the Zoom. Let me share the screen. Here we go. Okay, my system isn't letting me share that document. Let me see if I can pull it up. Come on. Okay, I'll have to get the sort out, but the document is there in the chat if you want to look at it. It's called The Power of God's Word, and I want to pull that up, and I'm going to just reference it. I'm going to put it up on this screen. Okay, I have it right here. Okay, so I've listed out, or I've sourced 25 things that God's Word does for us. So the power of God's Word is alive and active. It is powerful. So I'm looking at, I'm going to, there are verses I would encourage you to read, but for now, I'm just going to go through, this is what God, God's word can do for us. So number one, God's word brings true health, fruitfulness, prosperity, prosperity, and consented word and, and success to what we do. All right. So there's a reference to Psalms 1, 3 there. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, uh, whatever they do prosperous. I'm not going to read all the verses, but I'll give you one there. Uh, number two, the word of God has healing power and the power to deliver from oppression. Um, there's Psalms, Matthew 8, 8, Matthew 8, 16. Okay, number three, God's word. Uh, let me just check the chat here. Um, God's word cleanses us. Um, I'm actually going to list a few here. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Sounds pretty simple, but God is giving us the answers we need. So Psalm 199. Um, number four, the word of God hidden, hidden in our hearts keeps us from sin. <laughs> Um, we always talk about, in, um, for example, in children's ministry, you know, why do we do scripture memorization? Well, we want to hide God's word in their hearts. We want to put the verses in their toolbox 
that remind them, one, that God is a big God that is bigger than anything we're going to go through, but also that his word gives us the way that we should live, right? So when something happens and, you know, they have a choice to make, they can go, oh, I remember James 4, 7, which, which says submit to God, um, you know, and basically run, flee from sin and the devil will leave me alone. So we want to have the word of God hidden in our hearts to keep us from sin. Number five, God's word is a counselor. When we delight in God's word, it becomes a rich source of counsel and guidance for us. Number six, God's word is a source of strength, right? When we feel like we can't do it, God's word has the strength to lift us up. Seven, um, God's word imparts life. It is a continual source of life. It is a living word, right? So it is alive. And I like what Doug said in the chat there. It cuts the fat. It gets right to the point, right? All the extra stuff just gets cut out. Um, what did I do? Number eight. God's word is a source of illumination and guidance. When God's word comes in, a light comes in, it makes the simple, wise, and understanding. Number nine, God's word gives peace to those who love it, and they are secure. So there's that idea of God's peace as we enter into his rest with his word. They are secure, standing in a safe place. Number 10, when the word of God is heard and understood, it bears fruit. That's important, right? Because we don't just listen to it, we do it. Okay. Number 11, the word of God has inherent power and authority against demonic powers. This one also very, very important. Um, in freedom, freedom recently, we were talking about um, surrender. And I always talk about what are your open doors and open doors are those things that, and you go, okay, I'm going to push the word of God aside for a second. I'm going to open this little door here. I'm going to dabble in this thing. I'm going to look at this thing. I'm going to, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, it could be um, gluttony. It could be pornography. It could be binging. I don't know anything that you value more than your relationship with God. And when you open those doors, you know, temptation and sin has that opportunity to creep in and you have to choose your weapon wisely. And your weapon is God's word, right? But it's God's word, God's word that helps us fight and to close those doors. So, okay. So that's the power. Number 12, Jesus himself, his eternal person is described as the word. So John 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. That's Jesus. Jesus is the word. Okay? So when we have a relationship with the word, we have a relationship with Jesus. Um, 13, hearing God's word is essential to eternal life. We all know that, right? One cannot pass from death into life unless they hear the word of God. So that's the idea of the gospel and the going into all the world. Um, number 14, God's word is abiding, living in. God's word is evidence of true discipleship. 
15, God's word is the means to sanctification. Um, big word that means being set apart, uh, meaning growing in holiness. So sanctification starts from the moment of salvation and it lasts for the rest of our lives with the goal of becoming more like Jesus. We'll never be Jesus, but sanctification is a process of growing through the word to become more like Christ. Um, 16, the Holy Spirit can work with great power as the word of God is preached, right? So the word of God is often a catalyst to what the Holy Spirit's going to do in your life. You're in God's will, you're in number 17, you're in God's word builds faith, right? It builds us up, it props us up, it gives us what we need. 18, um, holding fast to the word of God gives assurance of salvation, right? It's what it says in the word. 19, the handling of God's word gives the ministers of the word a clear conscience. They know that they did all they could before God. So it's right living, you know, living in the way God called 20. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. So here's one of those weapons we can pick up. It is equipment for spiritual battle, especially as an offensive weapon, okay? So preventing and coming against. 21, the word of God comes with the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? 22, the word of God works effectively in those who believe. 23, the word of God sanctifies the very food we eat. And here's where I wanna to get to. 24, the word of God is not dead. It is living and active and sharper than, this is what we just read, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God can probe us like a surgeon's surgeon's expert scalpel. A little twist on that. Cutting away what needs to be cut away and keeping what needs to be kept. The word of God, last one, the word of God is the Christian source of spiritual growth. So I'm going to cut back to my original notes here. I have a few minutes left. Let me find my place. Okay. So the point with all of that is the word of God is powerful. It's amazing. It has everything we need. If we allow it, it'll make us better. Um, the word of God exposes our weaknesses. It demonstrates its power, sharpness, and accuracy. Um, it reminds us that we must constantly submit to God. Um, and then finally, the Holy Spirit works through the word of God, right? Is one of the primary uh, vehicles that God uses. Okay, now the last part there around verse 14, we'll go over this fairly quickly. It says, uh, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. So um, no other high priest was called great. Jesus is the great high priest. Um, no other high priest passed through the heavens. No other high priest is the son of God. Jesus is our great high priest who has ascended into heaven. Um, verse 15, um, we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. Now, Jesus was fully God, fully man. Um, he felt pain. He felt hurt. He suffered. Uh, he pretty much experienced everything we've experienced except for sin, right? Jesus did not sin. 
And so I think the point that God's calling us to is um, let us come boldly to that throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. So, you know, in the, in the um, Mosaic Old Testament, um, they would talk about two thrones, you know, the throne of grace and the throne of mercy. But we, Jesus has combined those two, th two thrones into one thing. So as we come to the throne of grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. So last few points here. Boldly means we must come constantly, right? Boldly means we must come without reservation, right? It doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, where you are. Jesus says, come, come, I have what you need. Boldly means we must come freely, so without fancy words. Sometimes you don't even have to speak, just come. Boldly means we can come with confidence, knowing that we will experience um, healing. We will find peace. And boldly means we must come with persistence, so we must keep coming back. All right, so, okay, so rest, very important. Daily, uh, weekly, so divert daily, withdraw weekly. Um, remember that God's word is powerful. It's everything we need. And then let us come to Jesus, who is a high priest, because he has everything we need. He has the mercy and the grace we need. We're we doing okay so far? Good? All right. So a lot to chew on there. I pray that there's something that has stuck out for you, something that God's calling you to do. Maybe today's the day you have to come boldly to the throne of grace. Whatever it is, God's calling you. He wants to meet with you. Let him do that. Um, thank you for tuning in. I'm going to pray, and then we'll let you guys go. All right, Father, we just thank you that you are a loving God and that your word is powerful, Father. It is effective and it's there for our daily growth. So, Father, we thank you that we, as we enter in, um, Father, we receive what we need. We receive power. We receive the weapons of your word. Father, we thank you for rest and we pray that you will allow us to enter in um, daily, Father, that we would have the boldness to come to your throne of mercy because you have sent your son, the great high priest. The work is done and we do not have to toil to self-justify um, ourselves through works, but it's already been done by you. Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you are calling us into a lifestyle of sanctification, a lifestyle of growth. Father, would we find the balance of work, rest, and fellowship with you. So, Father, we commit this day to you. We commit our works to you. We commit our rest to you. And we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to convict, to confirm, um, to bring us peace, and to give us power. And so, Father, we stand on your word, and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.